Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think we just wanted to play fast grind songs that were influenced by things that we experienced in our life and weren't just about, you know, whatever, like fantasies and whatever, like the moon or dungeons or whatever the hell people write about black metal songs about these days. Welcome to the Dreams of Consciousness podcast. If you'd be so kind, 
Would you mind introducing yourselves? Yes, my name is S. I play bass and do vocals in the band Gravesend. My name is G. I play drums in the band Gravesend. And we may have a, a third member joining us shortly. But for now, gentlemen, how would you describe the music of Gravesend? I would say that Gravesend is the stress that you feel walking down the streets in New York City, this underlying vibe that's kind of hard to pinpoint that, that, that's just put together through what we call, quote-unquote, bestial war or death metal, black and death, whatever that may be. Yeah, for for me, I would just call it like a like a mix of kind of our favorite types of extreme metal. So like a a mix of the war metal blended with you know some grind and black black death stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'd say it's all it's kind of all of our favorite parts of each of those genres manifested just from kind of our environment. Now, as far as your mix of of grind and black and death metal. Would you say that your songs are mostly fast? Would you say that they're mostly short? They're definitely they're definitely short, but I would say that you know we have a lot of you know we do a lot of mid tempo parts, but this you know we try to mix it up. There's definitely a lot of fast stuff, but you know we try to keep we try to have a bunch of groove parts. So sure, yeah, for sure. I I think we started with shorter song structures and, and shorter songs in general, but it just kind of naturally evolved as we kind of grew as musicians. And we'll, we'll speak about that evolution in a bit. You mentioned the fact that you're based in New York City and that, that reflects on your sound. I lived in Brooklyn for about eight years. It definitely changed from when I was living in Bed-Stuy to when I was living in Greenpoint. But, you know, as far as like the anxiety and, and you know, <laughs> the crime and and that kind of thing that that you experience when you're when you're living in you know some of the rougher neighborhoods in New York, uh, would you say that 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 has a lot to do with Gravesend's uh, music, uh, either sonically or lyrically? Yeah, are you asking if one has to do with the other? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's a product of like kind of like I mentioned earlier. It was you know it's kind of the stress like the it's not something you can pinpoint exactly. It's like, you know, you walk down the streets and it's the chatter. It's the, it's the sound of the train. It's the honking. It's the, it's the cars. It's, it's kind of all of it. You know, it's, it's not something that's, you know, yeah, sure. There are very rough parts and, 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 you know, just opening the New York post, you can find out what happened in the last six hours that will drive you mad and you won't even believe what occurred. But, I, I would say it, it, it's like all that stuff kind of comes together to influence our music sonically and also lyrically. I mean, a lot of our the stuff we write about, you know, has to do with, yeah, old New York, 70s and 80s. And, and, and a lot of that, a lot of history repeats itself and it's some of the stuff that we see today. But yeah, it, it definitely, you know, it goes hand in hand in terms of kind of the music being influenced by New York, and then vice versa. G, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think he basically covered it. Would you guys mind telling me a little bit about how you got together and and what your intentions were for Gravesend when you first started? Hmm. What our intentions were when we first started? Yeah, musically or otherwise. Did you form specifically to make this kind of raw war metal sound, or, or was it just the intention to start a band, any kind of band? I mean, I think when we started, I think we just wanted to play fast grind songs that were influenced by things that we've experienced in our life and weren't just about, you know, whatever, like fantasies and whatever, like the moon or dungeons or whatever the hell people write about black metal songs about these days. <laughs> and, you know, like with the earlier stuff, I think there was, it was a lot, it was a lot grindier, it was a lot more raw, it was a lot faster. And, you know, we've kind of evolved a little bit more into what this new record is, which is a little more dynamic, I think. But yeah, I, I think there was a lot of, you know, we, we, we wanted to do a band that sounded like, 
you know, a band that we would want to listen to. So, you know, we listened to a lot of kind of the stuff we were talking about before. So that's kind of what it ended up as. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame A is in here, but he's got a little bit, I would say maybe a different story about how this band started, but I'll do my best trying to, to, to tell you the story. But it, it started as a, a rainy day on a Sunday, and A, our guitarist, was jamming on some riffs at home, just out of boredom, and, and, and he got together with our drummer and just put together a little demo. And he was listening to it, and, and it, you know, it, it kind of sounded good. And it was something he wanted to explore. And then, oddly enough, a little tidbit, he made a, like a 10-tape demo of this song and sent it my way just to see what I would say. But he didn't tell me it was him. And I was super into it. It kind of caught me, caught me off guard. I was like, yeah, this is cool. You know, who are these guys? And he held it out for a pretty long time. Then I figured it was him. So he's like, yeah, this is something I want to do if you're interested. And then we got, we got all together and started jamming on it. I think... Originally, yeah, I, maybe war, grinding, black death, or whatever was the the root of it, but just kind of expanded from there, from this like little stupid demo tape that caught me off guard. And those songs that A wrote, was that what eventually became the preparation for human disposal demo? Yeah, yes. Well, they were reworked. They weren't exactly yeah, some of it. Yeah, verbatim. But yeah, there was a lot of the stuff that was on that little demo tape that that we have was just reworked into other songs, you know, in a way we broke down the, uh, the, the songs on there and it came out to be those six songs or however many there was on that, on that demo tape. So it sounds like you guys were all friends beforehand, but had you played in a band together? No, I don't think so. No, we didn't. No, we, we knew each other. Yeah. We've known each other for maybe a decade now or even more than that. And we just know each other from going to shows and then, you know, just shooting the shit, sharing music, and, you know, mutual friends brought us together. S, you, you talked about hearing the songs that A wrote and, and wanting, being interested in, in being part of it. For you, G, what was it you liked about those songs? Well, yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I kind of like the, the vibe of the songs, the, like, the direction the riffs were going in, the, the bluntness of it just how aggressive it is. It's not, there's no, you know, there's no noise in there or like, and when I say noise, I mean like there's no like filler. So yeah. I mean, there's, there's some literal noise, right? Yeah. 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 There's literal noise, but I mean like, <laughs> there's no like, there's no like, you know, like throwaway riffs, right? Like it's all just like, it's all like really focused. So that's what I like yeah. about it. It felt like a collage. It, it, it was one track but you know it was long enough where it felt like it, it was a collage of of riffs but you know the balls and and the the beef was there and you could kind of see that there's something there so it was it, in a way it was like a, a a sketch in a notepad that eventually became the demo yeah gravesend songs are are remarkably you know low filler it's interesting because I've, I've spoken with a number of bands who who've been around for a while, and so they're starting to get into that, you know, kind of like progressive direction where they're exploring different things, and so the songs are getting a little bit longer, you know what I mean? And it's it's cool to hear a band that's keeping keeping things really tight as far as the song structures are, are still quite simple, and it's really just about the riffs, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think early, early in our whatever career or whatever, I, I would want to push for more. You know, like if I, I was really into a riff or something that A was bringing to the table, I, I would be like, yeah, let's repeat it maybe two more times or do something else with it. And, and, and you know, I was shut down. Keep, keep it going. Yeah, you know, I was we got to keep moving. I was there. Hey, guys, just joining. Hey. What's up, dude? What's going on? Just chime in on that one. Yeah, I would put the kibosh on that because I want to <laughs> keep it simple and dumb. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we were speaking about the the original demos that you you wrote for Gravesend. What were your intentions and and what was your mindset at the time when you when you wrote those songs? I think you know we wanted to. It, it kind of started out as, as a, just kind of ex, exploration into a, into a genre I had touched on prior, and 
turned into something that I uh, actually enjoyed a lot. And then we expanded on it. I think the whole idea was to basically have grind songs rooted in grindcore with bestial black death type of vibe to them. And the theme around New York and whatnot came about pretty early on. Initially we were toying around with different themes, but that one seemed to resonate the most with us. Now, other than the fact that you guys live in New York, why, why was that the, the direction you wanted Gravesend to go in rather than, you know, songs about riding into battle on a, on a horse or whatever? Yeah. I mean, black metal, you know, most time you think of black metal, you think of cold, frosty winters in the forest, but that just didn't vibe with the way that we were, the way that we were envisioning. I think just the, the, the music kind of spoke to us in a different way. That wasn't really that wasn't a traditional black metal. And we weren't really interested in just reinventing the wheel, so to speak. And as far as keeping things to a trio, was it to was it the simplicity of your music? Did you want it to just leave it with uh, with one guitar? Yeah, that, that, well, I wanted to just streamline the whole the whole the whole process, songwriting process. Less is less is more, in my opinion, especially for the style of music. Keep it simple. No need. We don't we don't really have that much complex parts that require a second guitar. I would say we don't have complex ripping solos. We have really stupid solos, if you even want to call it that. So I think keeping it a three piece and also the fact that we we're just all friends even before this, you know, that, that was a big element of it. Just having some buddies that had common interest in music and we know each other. So it worked out. And I think also our personalities, the way that we work together as a, as a unit kind of helped us move forward in a relatively efficient way. Yeah. I've never even considered, <laughs> I'd never even thought about this band having more than three people on it. I think that would be kind of weird. <laughs> exactly. Weird musically or weird just to get another person involved Yeah, because you guys are friends. Yeah. Just cause we're friends and musically also it's just, you know, like I said, it's like so straightforward and streamlined. I feel like having another cook in the kitchen would just kind of like mess things up. Yeah, it's easier to, to um, make decisions with an odd number of people. We, I would say that we move really fast, and the dynamic that we have as three people in terms of making decisions on all kinds of things, from art to lyrics to, to riffs, just works. We're like a well-oiled machine. It just works well. It feels like introducing another person, you know, we definitely throw, that, throw off that mojo that we worked so hard to kind of get together.
So the original demo started with A. You know, it's been a few years since since A wrote those songs. Has your songwriting process changed at all in that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we've all evolved as musicians. And we've all evolved, I think, in our songwriting. I mean, initially, <laughs> you know, I kind of joke about we're 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 a band of of guys who played instruments that are not really the instruments we would play. So we kind of like I don't normally play guitar. Like I've I've written a bunch of guitar parts and whatnot, and played occasionally in, in bands here and there, but it's never like my primary primary instrument for G, you know, he plays guitars traditionally. So I think venturing into these, these new instruments for each of us was kind of interesting. And when you, if you listen to the evolution of from where we were with, I mean, the first song we wrote was rats among us and the evolution from where we were to what we've done, I think, leaps and bounds and i never thought that we would probably be writing the songs that we we've been writing today yeah i've been i've been playing i've been playing guitar my whole life so for me playing drums this is like my first band that i've ever really played drums in so yeah the first demo it was it's like now i play those blasts from the first demo and it's okay but i remember recording the demo i could barely hold it together but yeah yeah Gee, I think you and I started playing our instruments around the same time. I think I picked up bass maybe two years before this thing became a thing. You know, and I, uh, gee, I think that you around the same time, right? Yeah, something like that. Basically around the same time. Yeah. It's funny, I not to compare us to the Ramones, but I, I think I read somewhere once that the Ramones were in the same camp, but they didn't know how to play their instruments. They just wanted to be in a band. And they just picked up whatever instruments looked good to them and started the Ramones. And that became what it became. Classic punk story. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to the Ramones, but, you know, playing drums in a grindcore war metal band <laughs> for the first time is a, is a hell of an ask. Gee, were you, were you sure you could pull it off? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, you know, during lockdown, I spent a lot, I had a lot of free time. So I spent a lot of time on my practice pad at home, but yeah, I did not, I was not confident <laughs> that I could do that, but I feel pretty good about it now, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, we would kind of, I think I would at least drill GM playing it faster. Yeah. And then, and then, and then we'd constantly go back and forth on, well, are you going to play a traditional glass beat or are you going to play the what you Oh, not this again. <laughs> the duck glass beat, but I'm not going to get, we're not going to get too deep into that. Yeah. Are we going to have this conversation again? For the drummer, no, no. save it for the drummer podcast. Sick drummer. <laughs> well, you know, we, we do talk about like process and technique a lot on this podcast. So, I mean, you know, traditional blast beat versus. Like, are you, are you talking like single foot? Yes. Double pedal, starting with yeah. So I the snare on the one, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I play single foot blast just because I like it's easier for me to line in my head, you know, because I play with my right foot for almost everything, and I'm not that ambidextrous, so it's easier for me to just like have the beat on the on the right foot. Also, I you know I don't use triggers or anything, so I'm definitely pretty conscious of the fact that. You know, my left foot is not going to be as hard hitting as my right. So I want the blast to be loud. So I do it single foot. But, you know, obviously there's like a, there's like a, there's a ceiling to doing it single foot, but it's not like I'm going over 200 BPM anyway. So I think once I start getting to 220 or something like that, then maybe I'll start doing two foot blast. But for now, it just, it's, it's it's honestly harder for me to try and do it two footed, just because I'd you gotta like you know you gotta keep your right hand in time with both feet while you're doing it. It's too weird for me. So anyway, that's my spiel. I don't want to get into a single foot <laughs> versus two foot blast beat argument here. <laughs> no worries. I mean, this is the place to do it if you guys wanted to wanted to hash it out. But uh, in terms of your songwriting, are are things still starting with A's riffs, 
or do you guys all write individually and come together in the in the rehearsal space? Yeah, that's that. I would say ninety percent of it, and then a lot of times we'll we'll write things on the fly. So, I mean, it does start with a guitar riff, and then say like, okay, G, like play this drum uh, or play this rhythm over it, or, or he'll just get it, obviously. And yeah, I would say like. Eight, or yeah, maybe eighty percent of the songs I come to practice with someone of an idea, and then twenty percent of them are just off the cuff. And to be honest, I think some of our best songs are uh, written off the cuff for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I think "End of the Line" was one that we wrote off the cuff. Pretty sure. Yeah, there, there was a few of them. Yeah. And as, as far as the style that you guys are known for, when you're arranging songs. Is it a point to to keep things simple and, and to keep things short? I think that's just kind of how my brain works when I write music. I don't think I don't think in terms of very complex structures. I just think in terms of <laughs> just grindcore format essentially. Play play this one four times. Usually, you know, it's like play a blast beat four times and play a D beat four times and then play that same blast beat four times and then a little breakdown and then the song's done that's kind of how my brain works i try to step out of that and get a little bit more creative or dynamic i guess and i think some of that's kind of captured in in our newer record so let's talk about that newer record it's called goannis death stomp and it will be released at the end of october through 20 bucks spin when did you guys start working on this album I think we started writing it pretty much right after we finished the other record. I don't think we had any sort of stop. We did, but it was slightly derailed because we ended up doing a couple tracks for a, a decibel flexi. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and in fact, we actually four of the we actually recorded four songs that we were going to put on the flexi, but we decided to just put two of them on the flexi, and then those other two ended up being on go on its death stomp but i think we've been working on it uh, in total for i guess since yeah right after i guess what march of 21 it's been a couple years yeah that sounds right yeah i think once once it all came once it all came together we recorded it and got everything together within about a month's time we were pretty quick once it was all packaged up musically speaking it was pretty fast start to finish but Overall, probably closer to two years, for sure. And we spoke a little bit about how your song or your sound has evolved uh, since the first album. How do you compare Goanna's Death Stomp to Methods of Human Disposal? I would say it's definitely over overall. It's just a more it's a darker, more gritty sounding record. Production is definitely less polished, but I think. It's definitely less polished. We play a lot faster. There's there's a bit of groove to we that we that we kind of added to this record, and I'd say there's definitely a heavy dose of of of, of Black Death that we dabbled in there as well. Yeah, I mean it's definitely more of the same. It's not like we're playing a different genre on the record or anything, but I think we just are doing even more of what we were what we've been trying to do. Right, so we have more. You know, this we're just trying to push ourselves even further into the direction we want, right? So there's more, there's a lot faster parts. You know, there's a lot more changes. The groovier parts are groovier. Slow parts are slower. It's just more. We're just trying to be as extreme as we can, you know, with the in the box that we've created. S, what about you? Yeah, I would say that this record is more comparing it to methods. It, it's more. I guess bookended and, and, and to me to me it feels like if we, if I were to be reading a book it, it just it gets wrapped up by by the last chapter by the last chapter I think uh, on methods we just had a lot of ideas and we were you know we threw threw them out there and it became the record that it became but this record there's so much thought and, and there's so much detail with as simple as we are I it's a very deep record and for us at least, you know, it's like there's little things that I'm proud of that we did that we didn't do on the first record. 
so I, I just think it's more mature it's more focused it's yeah it's zoned in comparing it to the first record and as far as more focused and more zoned in is that just a result of you guys working together for a few years yeah i think so i think we kind of got used to the songwriting structure like we you know at first you have to build that base layer and then after i think after you know writing the demo and then uh, and then and then methods we kind of establish a baseline okay this is kind of how we work and we be able, we just become more more functional and efficient and then that gave us the room to to kind of breathe and and explore a little bit more within our parameters yeah i mean like i think with any band the more you the longer you write together kind of like the better you get at kind of you know riffing off each other and figuring out where to go with it and I think this record is just is more of that, right? Like we've become more comfortable with each other writing and we figured out what we want with the music and, you know, this is kind of how, where it ended up. We mentioned it briefly at the beginning of our chat, but Gravesend has, has some noise and atmospheric elements. I don't think it's, it's correct to call them ambient. They're quite harsh and unsettling, but it's been a part of your sound since the first album. Who who works on those and, and what's the what's the intention behind those? Yeah, I mean S and I work on that. Uh, on, we call it. We just refer to it as kind of our, our synth or synth tracks. We you know we wanted to complement the music with a soundscape that captures the anxiety and violence of an an unsettled unsettling eerie feeling that that you get in you know with in in watching old movies about new york from the 70s or even just like riding the train at night or you know just being in a in a crappy neighborhood maybe there's there's an element threatening element to new york there's a dirty disgusting underbelly to to the city and we wanted to capture that and i think through through these synth tracks and nodes it helps it helps overlay that and not to say that we want it's not supposed to be like a a note to any horror themes or horror movies but try to capture the element of of a horror theme in in general i guess or not horror theme or a violent theme and i think that the synth kind of complements that yeah, for sure. I think it was, you touched up a, a lot on it, but it's just to create this stress. When I think of stress in, in like, like say a, in a movie like Uncut Gems or any kind of the the Safdie Brothers movies, they, you know, they portray New York. I know it's, a, a, you know, they make contemporary movies, but what they do visually and also with their music, creating that stress, recreating that stress that they experience from New York is kind of what, where the inspiration for the synth comes from. So like if you take that and you mix it with say like a seventies, eighties, even nineties kind of, you know, like the dungeon synth world and all that stuff, it's kind of a conglomeration of those two worlds for me combining. And yeah, I think we've definitely made an effort with the, the you know, as no surprise, there will be more synth stuff on this record. It, it, I, we definitely made a conscious effort to make it way more stressful than the first record.
Where did you guys end up recording the album? We recorded with Arthur Rizk in Philly. There's a studio that he works out of that's right near South Street. So we all went down there and recorded it over, I think, course of four days. We were, I think we were slated for five days, but we did it before. Yep, exactly. Did you guys record live? No, we did not. Okay. We did each individual track. There's a yeah, scratch track, and then I don't know if we ended up using any of the scratch tracks. But yeah, no, it was mostly instrument by instrument. So Arthur's name has come up a bit in the last few months on this podcast. Why Arthur? I know you guys worked with him on your previous recordings, but what do you like about working with him? And why did you head to his studio this time around? Well, before we worked with a buddy of ours, Nolan, on the demo and the and the tracks for the Decibel Flexi. And we also recorded, we tracked methods with, with Nolan, but we had Arthur mix it. And I think we were just all really blown away. Obviously, like Arthur, you know, he's such a staple name in this genre. But once we heard his mix on methods, we were like, okay, this is, you know, he could really just elevate what we're trying to accomplish here. And he also offered after we recorded methods, he's like, you know, I really want to do the whole thing for you guys. So we're, you know, we're pretty excited about that because we just love all this, all this, everything he touches pretty much. And I think it was just a natural progression from like having him mix our, mix our work and then just have him do the whole thing. Yeah. Previously, you know, he just did the mixing and we would master with other people for the, but for this one, he did, he did everything. He did the tracking, mixing and mastering, which is interesting because, you know, I've never worked with anyone who did all of it like that and. You know, he's, a, he's, he's got a vision for what the record could sound like. And, you know, he knows what he wants and he's really good at it. He understands kind of the vibe that we're going for. So, you know, it just seemed like a really good fit. I mean, producing, you know, this style of, of, you know, very raw grind war metal is, can be tricky because to a certain extent you, you want something extremely raw, right? Yeah, and that that's the beautiful thing about what Arthur does. I think he's able to take something extremely nasty and raw sounding, but make it audible, make it fun to listen to. Yeah, it's he it's not like there's any question it's not like anybody has any question that he's not gonna know kind of the vibe we're going for with him, right? Like he he's he has so much experience in the genre recording, you know, all these extreme bands that he's going to know exactly, you know, he knows exactly what we want and he knows how to, he knows how to pull out the right sounds out of the drums, the right sounds out of the guitars while also making it still feel raw and stuff. But it was, yeah, you know, he's, he's really good at that, at getting the sound that we want, keeping it raw while being, while still being audible, you know? Did you want to say anything about working with Arthur? What you liked about working with Arthur S? Yeah, I I just think he was super level-headed and just you know easy and a joy to work with. Like I think G just touched on it. You know, it, if you had question about something, he would just immediately know the answer. And just watching him work was its own. Like he would kind of edit as we went along, and it was just fascinating. What would you say his approach to to recording is? I mean, obviously, with something like Gravesend, it's it's not going to be clarity, right? What was that? You said it's not going to be priority. Clarity. Clarity. Or is clarity is clarity still important for you guys? No, I think it is. I think we we like to we like to strike the right balance, it being gritty and raw, but also audible. And I think he just does he does a really really beautiful job with that. You know, he he did ask us. He's like, oh, you know, what What you guys want this to sound like? Do you have any inspirations for what you think it'll sound like? But I think at the end of the day, you know, he, we would, we would kind of trust his opinions about a lot of different, a lot of different elements of recording, whether it be, 
adjusting some of the tone, the guitar tones, even like, you know, tuning, tuning the drums to a certain way, or, you know, even some, even some of his inputs as far as like, I wouldn't say like songwriting per se, but he would, you know, he would definitely say, put his opinion in where he thought it was warranted. And we were, you know, we were, we were open to hearing his, his thoughts on it. And I think that, that it created something, something special because of that. Yeah, I mean, I think even down to the the structure of recording, um, and if you remember this, we did vocals in the middle instead of at the end, which is what you would traditionally do. That's right. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was definitely a departure uh, from anything I've ever done. Yeah, and it was smart. The reason why you wanted to do it, you know, so in case your voice goes, you know, it's not the last day and you're scrambling, you can kind of come back to it. And in a way, doing the vocals earlier in the session kind of put the songs together it felt like the songs were completed earlier in, in, you know in the process and it just it, it made for for me personally easier to track the bass hearing the vocals and, and and you know it sounding more complete and so when arthur asks you what your inspiration is or, or what you want the album to sound like what was your answer <laughs> well how do we answer that? We'll keep that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that one. We'll keep that one close to our chest. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So by the time people hear this podcast, Gowanus Death Stomp will be out through Twenty Bucks Spin. Gentlemen, please tell people how they can order the album. What's the best way to get it? Yeah, I think Twenty Bucks Spin Records dot com, or actually no, Twenty Bucks Spin dot com the best way to find our record or at Bandcamp and search for 20 bucks spin. And do you want to say anything about the, the vinyl versions that 20 bucks spin is putting out? Yeah. So the record's going to be out on vinyl, CD, cassette tape, and digital. Obviously we're doing the first few variant colors. We have the vinyl on black, lime green, cloudy kelly green and then also we have this uh, transparent or translucent lime green with black and silver splatter i believe i believe it is uh so each of them are uh, pretty limited runs so once they sell out they're pretty much gone yeah for sure and i was just to touch up on the the linkage to put it all together we also just launched some new merch but if you guys check out linktree dot com slash gravesend we'll have all the links in there merch the old record the new record eventually shows so linktree.com slash gravesend and as far as finding out about the the tour dates and things like that how can people follow you guys online we're most active on uh on instagram and occasionally on facebook as well uh but instagram is probably the best place to, to follow what we're doing War for Gravesend. That's that's the screen name or whatever the kids are calling it. The handle. handle. There you go. That's your at? Yeah, at War for Gravesend. That'll be on Instagram. Maybe early next year, early 2024, you might have something? Yeah, exactly. Yep. We're uh we're look we're planning something in uh late February, I guess. So is there anything else you guys want to say? Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for supporting the underground and taking your time to talk to us. Really, really appreciate it. Glad we got to make this work. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Dave, who who helped coordinate this, sent me your your first album as well, and you know I've always liked what you guys have done. So it was you know it was very cool to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, man. Looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, for sure. Take care, guys. All right. Cheers.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.